Hello and welcome to the latest Celtic View podcast. I'm delighted to be joined this time by Kerry Keenan, who is Head of Marketing and Multimedia at Celtic. And Kerry, I suppose I should really uh, be nice to you since you are my boss for this podcast. Um, you've been doing this job for five years. It's obviously expanded from when you first came in now, part of uh, you know, taking on the marketing remit. It's a, it's a big job, obviously one that you must enjoy. Yeah, thank you for having me, Paul. I don't often do things like this, so you'll need to bear with me. Um, I originally, I think, was approached by Celtic to come and work at the club because I'm a broadcaster to trade. So I think originally the attraction for me was Celtic TV to come and work at the club. Um, then at that time, obviously, I came in to go for Tony's old role of being head of multimedia, working with you, working on The View, social media, Celtic TV, um, the match day. And I just absolutely loved it, you know, as a massive Celtic fan. So um, when they asked me to take on marketing a couple of years later, I was a bit nervous because I'm not really a marketeer. Um, but I've actually really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed doing all the experiential stuff. I love using the Celtic way as a canvas to put on events. I love doing the hydro, the season ticket campaigns, the Christmas films. So, yep, I'm totally hooked in. <laughs> I mean, I think even probably in the short time, say from, you know, you say you came from a broadcasting background, but even just the way that multimedia has expanded in terms of social media and then as you say from marketing you know the way that Celtic Park's been transformed and all the different kind of events and things that people maybe don't realise that, that this department and, and you would get involved in. Yeah I think so I mean I always when I talk about my job I always quote the Dubliners you know I'm a raised in songs and stories Celtic fan so um, I suppose our job whether it's marketing or, or multimedia is to, to tell the Celtic story and you know we've got such a rich history such unique things that um, about the club that really make it, you know, an integral part of, of the fans' lives, you know. And it's always good to have that pressure of your own family and friends watching everything that you do. So uh, we always want to make sure in here that, that we give the fans the absolute best experience. So it's a great place to work. I suppose one of the things, most visible things that people always, over the last couple of years, have started to get used to is, for example, the Christmas advert, which I think everybody... That, that works on it takes great pride in it and, and we're getting a lot of praise and a lot of kudos out with the normal Celtic family and Celtic support that see this. Yeah, I mean, I think you know I'm an avid reader of The Guardian um, and I was absolutely... After the Celtic view, of course. After the Celtic view, of course. But, you know, my, the, I always wanted to write for The Guardian when I was a child. That was my, my big ambition. Um, and when they wrote the article about, you know, it being the best thing they'd kind of seen in football and stuff, I was absolutely over the moon. Um, but you know it's a big team effort in here the Christmas campaigns and the films you know the idea for Lee Griffiths as the elf came from Fiona who looks after the marketing and, and brand team um, last year when we came up with the concept of the plane loads of people chipped in about which players should be which characters and so it definitely has a huge team effort I mean even it was Peter's idea for the WhatsApp group member for the granddad to be featured because he was really keen that in his family WhatsApp group, everybody talks about Celtic, and I think that's something that all of us in the department resonated with. So it really is a big, big effort to pull off the Christmas films, and we couldn't do it without the manager and the players who have been brilliant helping us as well. But, I mean, we're under pressure this year. So Exactly, I know. I'm thinking well, I'm already looking forward to seeing what you come up with. Um, now, for the purposes of, the, of this podcast, obviously what I do is ask people to choose five magic moments, so they can be games, goals, players. It's the most difficult choice and I know you've agonised over it because how do you choose five from a Celtic supporting life but the first of those that you've chosen it goes back to 1995 when we returned to what is now the present Celtic Park 
be Hoydong or Collins. Nathan's ready. Defensive wall gets itself sorted out. It's Collins who strikes it. What's well, a magnificent goal by John Collins? The perfect answer. John Collins sending a ball wide of Jim Layton. It's Celtic one, Hibernian one. Perfect strike again with the left foot just inside the post, giving the goalkeeper no chance. And what age would you have been then when we obviously we had that season at Hamden? And then we return here as the, as the stadium's emerging, as this magnificent structure it is now. I think just as we as we came back for the, the first season at the new Celtic Park, I'd just turned 12 on my July birthday um, and I was in high school and my dad finally said I could have a season ticket. So I'd been to a few games when I was younger, but he was very particular about what games he would bring me to. Um, they used to come at that point in the back of their works van so it was a totally different experience for a child coming with a, a group of your cousins and stuff in the back of a works van than how most of our kids are probably brought to Celtic Park. I don't know why the phrase health and safety <laughs> no. strikes in my ears. I mean they had a bench in the back of it so it wasn't that there was no seating. Um, so it'd been funny until I went to high school. I think maybe a wee bit, my dad being a bit quite traditional and me being a girl. Um, but when we came back to Celtic Park he finally relented and, and we got season tickets so I think that period is so important to me because in those first couple of seasons, although we didn't win the league, we saw real flashes of success, you know, flashes that made you believe again. I think the team under Tommy Burns, you know I'm a massive, massive John Collins fan. Um, I love the way the team under Tommy Burns played football. I missed the cup final in, in 1995, so sadly I didn't, didn't see him actually win silverware, but when I was finally allowed to go to a cup final, it was the first time I was ever allowed to step foot in Highbrox. Um, when I went to see us win the Coca-Cola Cup yeah, final. Yeah, in 1997, yeah. In 1997. Um, and that was a brilliant day for me because in the flesh I'd never seen us, us lift a trophy before. And I think we have so much success now that a lot of fans don't realise what that was like to actually win a bit of silverware back then. When, and it's just all the all the moments from, from those kind of seasons where we were brilliant. I think there's particular game was under Tommy when we um, came back to beat Kilmarnock at home and the second half display was so good my dad made me watch it like five times on VHS when we got home because although we could be a bit ropey at the back when we went forward we were unbelievable to watch. So where when you got your first season ticket obviously it's a, it's a big moment because it's you know it's it means then you know you're going to every single home game. Whereabouts in the stadium was that for? So we were in what we called, I don't know if it was actually officially the McDonald's family stand, but you know in the south stand there was the kind of corner that was sort of known as the McDonald's family stand. Um, so my brother and I were down there, so he would have been about six, six or seven, so I was in charge of him at the games. But then my dad and my cousins had four seats in 401 in the north. So what would sometimes happen is my dad would take my brother and I would get to go up with my, my big cousins, which, you know, when you're that kind of age, you absolutely love to do, although invariably they'd come in just before half time and their language and their singing was a bit choice, so I would get punted back to the main stand with my brother. But So we went between both sets. Now, you did mention there about uh, you obviously were a big fan of, of John Collins and he did return uh, as uh, assistant manager when Ronnie Dyler took over and, you know, I'm I'm only saying this because you've told me this before, but you did you did tell him that that uh, when you were younger that he was your your hero, didn't you? 
well, I was more outed that John Collins was my hero, so I think everybody in the department knew that, you know, I loved John Collins when he was young. I used to carry about his Panini sticker in my wallet. I had told you guys all that story. I'd also told you the story of how, as a teenager, my rabbit was called Jai that lived out the back. And when Ronnie and John joined the club and we went out to Austria on pre-season, I um, hadn't met him yet. All the squad was assembled and for the first day of training, we were waiting on the bus. Uh, Ronnie and John comes down and Martin DL, who used to write for The View and work for you, decided that would be an appropriate moment to say, John, this is Kerry, her rabbit used to be called <laughs> after you. And I thought Charlie Mulgrew was going to die on the spot and I don't really think I ever lived that moment down. But I'm sure I'm sure John Collins, it probably still remains a memory for him as well from his time at Celtic. Every time for the first six months that I saw him, I went bright red in the face. I'm trying to have real serious work <laughs> discussions and I was still mortified. And uh, just for the record, uh, Mark Martin wasn't sacked on the back of that. <laughs> no, but he should have been. Now, the second moment, um, you know, you, you talked about the winning the, the League Cup at Ibrox 1997, Wim first trophy, but that season, stopping the 10. It's all very hectic. There's Lambert. Oh, what a wonderful strike! That does it. That surely clinches a magnificent victory. They played so well. No wonder he's fine. I know you and I have spoken about this before and I think anyone who lived through that and had, as you mentioned earlier on, had lived through some of the, the tough periods before that, that's got to be up there as one of the most important seasons and title wins in our history. I think the, what I remember, I don't remember football in terms of, sometimes I don't even remember who scored the goals. I, I always remember who I was with and what the feeling was and I remember about that season that the atmosphere was always supercharged. You know, the guy behind me would always have his radio in, listening to the other games that were playing, and, and people were as as interested to know about the other games that were happening and to where we were. You know, every point really counted, and the air was it was a mixture of probably excitement and desperation. You know, we just absolutely never could contemplate not winning the league that year. But there were, I think, my my couple of favourite moments actually were probably at Christmas time so um, when we played Rangers and Paul Lambert scored an absolute cracker and I, I went to the next game at Fir Park away um, and he scored an absolutely brilliant goal then and I remember that week was the first week where I actually thought do you know what I think we could actually we could do this we, we're going to win the league you know it didn't go quite so plain sailing but you know it, there was just moments like that that you just lived for when you were a Celtic fan then you know literally two wins back to back and you were over the moon. Do you remember how you felt that day in May when we beat St Johnson 2-0, the final whistle goes and I mean it's obviously the first title triumph that you would really have seen as a supporter being old enough to appreciate it, what that moment felt like? Um, I remember as soon as people started to go on the pitch that my brother was with me and he was still only eight and I thought did I take him on the pitch? Did I not? Will I get in trouble? And I decided I better not. You know, what if something happened to him? And I remember it all just being quite surreal, actually, me sort of having that kind of thought about going on the pitch. But apart from that, just being sort of taken away with everything that was happening round about me, I don't think it really kind of 
sunk in, you know what I mean? But Tom Boyd and, and doing the singing and everybody going on the pitch. And But it's funny, I don't, I couldn't tell you anything that happened before that. I remember after the game, we went back to the village that um, I grew up in and, you know, everybody was out the pub and they were doing the huddle in the middle of the cross and my mum and dad threw a massive, massive party that went on to about six o'clock in the morning. You know, it was probably up there at that point. I would have been about 15, 16, probably up there with one of the best kind of nights of my teenage life. It was just people were so happy. I've never seen happiness like when we stopped at 10. And it's funny, I think, when you mentioned it earlier on, we're now, you know, we've won seven league titles in a row. We're absolutely dominant in Scottish football. For younger fans trying to grasp the enormity of, of having gone six years without winning anything, of winning one Scottish Cup and then winning the league for the first time in a decade, how that must have felt because, you know, it's, it's so unusual now t- for us to think of Celtic not being the team in, in Scotland. And, and, you know, and I'm not asking for it to come back, but in some ways I think it is a shame for the younger generation of fan that they don't know what it's like to support your team in adversity, you know, it can be a real struggle and you have real moments of despair, but there are those moments of absolute sheer joy. And when they're rare, sometimes you enjoy them that wee bit more. Um, but I'm definitely not saying I want to start to see some of the success going. But it, it is different. It's something you can't explain to people. I don't, Unless you've kind of lived through it, I genuinely don't think. I try and, and tell my kids, but I mean, they just don't get it at all. We've been absolutely brilliant since both of them were born. So they've got no no kind of concept of us not being you know the best team so it's uh it's it's quite a hard thing i think to to try and explain but it's a bit about my like my views on var you know sometimes it's the moments that the things that go against you that you hold on to for the longest you know and if you take that magic out of football what are you kind of left with uh, well, long, long may our success continue. Yes, definitely. definitely. <laughs> from, from a work point of view uh, your third magic moment and again it's just fast forward and about five years from that, you know, we, we win our first league title in 10 years. Within five years, we get to a, a European final. So it's your third magic moment is the, the Seville run. But uh, it's been a stuttering start from him. A couple of his passes have gone straight at Celtic players. And uh, that certainly gives Celtic some encouragement when you think how it went in Glasgow. Yep, they certainly dominated in the other part of the game. Here's Henrik Larsson with a chance. Larson for Celtic, 15 minutes gone. He's done it again. His 22nd European goal two weeks ago, his 23rd at Ewood Park. 1 0 on the night, 2 0 overall. Matt, you must have been a, a perfect age to really appreciate what that was that whole season. When we start off getting knocked out of the Champions League qualifiers, but the end of the season, we're all in, we're all in Seville, and along the way, just some incredible moments. It was unbelievable. So I think it was my first year at uni when during that time. Um, and, you know, at first, when we went on the run, you think it's going somewhere, but you're probably not seeing where it's kind of really going. But I think when we got into that post-Christmas period, so I used to think that I'd been every game on that run, and then I started work here, and I went back and looked, and that was every game post-Christmas on the run. I then kind of worked out. Actually, I think I might have been at one before it was... Blackburn Rovers might have been just before Christmas so from Blackburn Rovers uh, all the way through I went home and away to all the games um, and I my standout moments definitely Blackburn um, my 
friend's dad used to run the Griffin bus, so we went down on the bus, we stopped at Preston, there was a big huge party before we got down to Blackburn, I don't know if you remember, but there was a problem with the tickets at Blackburn, there was lots of fake tickets, so there was real problems getting into the stadium, um, and Graham Soonis had been out, you know, talking us down in the press, and when you got in, the stadium was absolutely rammed, and the atmosphere from the Celtic fans was just amazing, and to beat him was unbelievable, I mean, I just remember the kind of men against boys chat that just went and went and went and went all night through the game, um, so Blackburn was definitely up there, and on a more personal note, my my boyfriend at the time of that run was a huge Liverpool fan. So when it came to Anfield, we travelled down together, and you know, typical Liverpool fan, absolutely, a hundred percent confident that they were going to hump us. And um, when John Hartson's goal went in, I was right behind that. I mean, I think I ended up six rows in front of where I had started off, and. I think beating Liverpool at Anfield was an amazing moment, but it was even better for me because I never, ever let him live it down. <laughs> I mean, was there a period in, during that run that you started to think we were going to get to the final? No. No, I don't... Not, not even right up until... Not until, we got, yeah. not until Bo Vista Wave when we actually got there, no. <laughs> thought, and sometimes, you know, like how I sometimes feel when we go to Hamden, you know, I'm a sort of... As much as I want it to happen, I'm always that Celtic fan that thinks. So, so you're a pessimist by nature? I, I, so, Sli- I slightly apprehensive, I think, sometimes right. about thinking that we're definitely going to get there. And I just, no, until it happened, I, I don't genuinely think that I thought we were going to go all the way. I mean, I don't, I wasn't old enough to remember us ever getting to a final, you know, so it was a real first um, for me. So it wasn't something I had. Um, anything to compare to so no I didn't think we were getting there and then when we did get there um, I had no ticket but I went anyway like you know thousands and thousands of people um, and we went to Portugal and then we took a bus through from Portugal to Seville in the morning and we were a wee bit worse for wear by the time we got through to Seville and it was like 3,000 degrees and the queues even to get a bottle of water I mean it was insane it was like a sea of Celtic fans and my dad phoned me must have been about 3 o'clock to say he'd got me a ticket at face value but I had to get to the other side of Seville to get it. So it was like running about the city. Gets I mean, that must have been all your Christmases. Oh, I mean, I couldn't believe it. You know, my hangover went away <laughs> in that instant and I was hypered. And then I finally got the ticket off. I got to the stadium just before kickoff. I'm running and I run right into Roy Keane, who at that time was a real hero of mine at Manchester United. And I was happy to get his picture taken with me and everything and I just couldn't believe how my day had turned round you know I was expecting to go to the fan zone with everybody else and and watch it there and then suddenly I was I was in the stadium and I was watching the game and I think at that point the pace that was in me kind of died a wee bit and I genuinely thought we were destined to win mm-hmm. it I and so actually it made it even even harder when we lost you know I'm probably in all the pictures with tears tripping my face, you know, yeah. absolutely devastated. Because it's one of those games I think Celtic fans just can't watch again because you just think we should have won it. No, I mean, I think I've probably told you this before, but when I came back, I came back, the game was game the Wednesday, the Thursday, and I came, I came back, and, and sadly my papa, who was a massive Celtic fan, eh, passed away kind of very peacefully at, at the weekend, and he'd been so excited about me going to Seville because he was too old to go that I put my programme in beside him, and... Um, in his coffin so because it was just such a big occasion you know I would absolutely love to see us go to a European final again so I could take my kids and you know people could experience as a family how amazing it is. Well I have I have 
pointed out to the manager that every previous Celtic manager that's won a domestic treble has got us to a European final, so no pressure. I've told him that as well. <laughs> so hopefully this, I can't imagine this season. I can't imagine we're the only two people who must be under severe pressure. Now your fourth magic moment, the last two are bringing it right up to date to your time here, and the last couple of seasons have just been extraordinary. So the fourth magic moment is that invincible season and that week of tying in with the 50th anniversary of Lisbon celebrations. mentioned right at the start about the, the you know the amount of work that's involved in terms of marketing and multimedia and one of the biggest events that the club has ever put on in its history was that hydro event on the 50th anniversary of lisbon you know looking back it must be really proud to be involved in that at the time it was must have just been absolutely mental i think it it, it was absolutely chaos so i think when i first started my job here um tam and our team asked me to name all the Lisbon lines and I couldn't do it, not off the top of my head. And, you know, you guys were obviously shocked. But for me, Martin O'Neill's team were my big team and I, I just probably was too young to understand the importance of the Lisbon victory. But when I came to work at the club and met the Lions and really finally got a kind of full grasp um, on how big an achievement that was, then... By the time we were ready to celebrate the 50th anniversary season, I was completely immersed in it. And, you know, I've got a real soft spot for them, especially Bertie, who, you know, such such nice guys, such gentlemen. Um, so I really wanted to make sure across that whole season that we did them proud, you know, for guys from Glasgow that have gone and, and won the European Cup, you know, and 50 years later, I still to be celebrating. I wanted to make sure we did stuff that was, you know, people will remember forever. And so did, did Peter and so did Adrian. I mean, when, when they originally talked about the hydro, I thought Adrian was off his head. You know, we're a football club. We put on great events and football games, but to put on a big, huge concert. Um, but, you know, you know, me, I took up the challenge and I thought, right, OK, we'll, we'll have a go at this. Um, and it was, it was definitely the most difficult thing I think we've ever done in our life. I mean, I would swap footballers for pop stars <laughs> any day of the week. Um, but there was just one kind of real 
moment I think for me was when the sisterhood took to the stage to sing Grace and I finally kind of lifted my head and I looked up and there was you know, 13,000 people with our lights out, there's people crying all the lines down the front with the families of, of you know the ones that have passed away were all arm in arm and they were singing and they were swaying and I kind of thought right we've done this you know what a moment you know people will nobody will forget this and to turn the city green and white that night you know was I think amazing for all Celtic fans and you know it, it, it's definitely up there that whole season was brilliant but I think the night at the Hydro was was the pinnacle for me. It's probably that week in terms of you know in recent years for Celtic supporters we get the trophy having won the league you know, Brendan Rodgers first season where then we know by the end of the week we've got the chance to go for not only a treble but an invincibles treble which has never been done before and then in the midst of that we're celebrating as you say this fantastic triumph with an event that kind of just emphasised just you know that whole thing about Glasgow's green and white but for us to put on something in the hydro that scale and that success it just I think it just gave that whole week a sense of there's something special happening here just now. I, I think it, it really did. You know, um, I don't think we slept much in that week at all. Um, but I think the other thing that, I think most people know this, but every penny of it went to the foundation as well. Um, so it wasn't only amazing, it was amazing and for a brilliant cause. Um, so it, I think... I think probably if we'd known it was going to be so successful, we'd maybe have done it on two nights or tried to put a live broadcast in so that so more people could actually experience it. Um, if you had to go back, they would be my only regrets, you know, because the people that were there were just so lucky uh, to have been amongst the people that were there and really fe felt that sense of kind of connectedness. But um I think seeing the city honour the Lions that week at the lunch that they put on for them at the city chambers. Um, then we had the lunch that Billy attended. Um, and it was great to see Billy at one of the events and he was in top form um, on the Friday lunch and, and the, the rest of the boys were delighted that he was in really good form and so were his family that he could really take part in that day. Um, and it was a, a much different crowd, a, a slightly older crowd, much more reserved. There was a lot more heartwarming kind of stories told and... So I think across across the whole week, you know, it was just it was there was there was no other show in town, you know, Celtic were the the number one story. Well, it's hard to replicate that season. Uh, the season just passed for your fifth magic moment. Obviously, we win the double treble again, never been done before. Good skill from Scott Brown tries to find McGregor. It's knocked out wide, only as far as Lister goes to curls it into the box, and it's headed clear. McGregor's the first to react. Right foot the shot. Celtic are on their way, 1-0! Callum McGregor, take a bounce on, what an absolute superb finish! Very reminiscent of his finish, uh, and uh, you know, Blake, yes, he can send it! Absolutely stunning finish, the way he's controlled that at the edge of the box, and fired him, he's right foot in the top corner. Oh, what a dream start that is for the Hooch. Well, he might be normally a left-footed player, but he was not bothered there. He was the first to react as the ball was cleared to the edge of the box. It was McGregor who took a touch, and on the half volley, oh, absolutely lashed it beyond Carson. There was nothing the Motherwell goalkeeper could have done, and Celtic, 11 minutes on the clock, and they're leading by a goal to nil. That day, coming home from Hamden, the open-top bus, that was an extraordinary occasion. I never thought I'd see the day when Celtic would be allowed an open-top bus 
come back from Hamden, but from Dormanock Station all the way to Celtic Park, that, that was just incredible. The bus, I think, as you probably know, was my big obsession. You know, I'd been obsessed with with us getting a bus for a good few years, and and actually we'd had approval the year before should we have won the treble, but unfortunately, obviously, there was the horrific terrorist attack in, in Manchester just prior to the hydro, and although the police were happy to let the hydro go ahead because it was a controlled environment, they felt the threat level so high that it wouldn't be appropriate and we also thought for the tragedy that happened in Manchester it, it also wouldn't be appropriate to put it on the year before um, so we obviously had to go again this year um, and I felt like it was a big injustice that Celtic had never had an open top bus you know I really I think that we are a, a world class club and world class clubs deserve to be treated that way um, and our fans deserve to experience it that way and a bus is a symbol and I think we've had so much success you really want to symbolise that success so I think you know that we had lobbied and written papers and <laughs> worked exceptionally hard across the club you know not just our team but with loads of support from PR from operations from our legal department who were heavily invested in it um, and I think the moment it turned on to the Celtic Lane to see you know 18,000 people there and when we set the fireworks off and all the boys in the bus with the three trophies, uh, it was right up there with the hydro, I think, of my of my favourite ever Celtic moments. Because I thought, do you know what? Nobody will ever unsee that. Every single person watching that will um, will remember that that kind of moment forever. And and the the best thing was the players and the manager just absolutely. I mean, you were on the bus, Paul. You tell me you can see more than than us, but. Um, but everybody that was on it also said it was, you know, one of the most incredible afternoons in their life. I mean, I, absolutely. Certainly, I mean, it's just one of those things that will stay, will certainly stay with me forever. I was actually just wondering if, you know, things like the hydro and then, you know, organising open top bus, when it, it eventually happens and, and it all comes off successfully, are you able to enjoy that or is it just this overwhelming sense of relief and thank goodness <laughs> we managed to do it? I think it's always an overwhelming sense of relief. You know, it's... I am used to working in a live environment, always have been, but we carry enormous amounts of pressure on on those kind of days. You know, I'm not saying it's the same as, you know, somebody having to take a penalty to win the cup, but in terms of what we do, the big, big live events that are so public and are broadcast everywhere probably feel like that to us. Um, so it, it's always just relief, <laughs> relief that it happened, that it that went off well, that people enjoyed it. I don't think you really get a chance to look back on it. I mean, I think I took a couple of days off last year, um, straight away after um, the, the charity match on, on the Sunday. I went with my husband for a few days, and when I came back, I came into the office and I rewatched the whole show of The Hydro. And it was only at that moment that I was like, wow, you know, that was incredible. And I think when this year, when The View came out, the special edition with the bus on the cover, and I sat down in my office and a cup of tea and spent the morning kind of reading through it and everybody's comments on it. And I think that was my moment this year where I thought, do you know what? That was a real success. People have really enjoyed that. So, um, But it's definitely number one feeling is relief. <laughs> and, and now you're already thinking, never mind the Christmas advert, what will we do if we get the... If we win the Trinity? Oh yeah. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. We don't want to talk about it too much. We don't. We definitely don't. I don't think I could survive it. I mean, you know, having worked in the club for a while, you, you barely get any time between the end of the season and then the start of the new season. We're back into the swing of things, the European campaign, league campaign. But I know there's other things that, that 
the department have been involved in one of the things that we've been trying to push is a sign for Celtic campaign uh, which is quite important to the club as well it might not be as glamorous as winning a trophy but it's, it's still an important thing that we do no it's huge you know I think people see the visible things that we do you know so the manager's book that that you wrote last year the DVDs you know the big events people see the physical things I think a lot of the work we do in the background especially when it's sort of more kind of digital or techy stuff is, is probably not as visible and our big drive is to improve the kind of digital experience for all fans um, we've been calling it our kind of digital transformation project so you'll have seen that with the launch of the new online store you know make that experience much better for our fans um, we're working on making you know ticketing a much better experience for our fans you know everything is it's, it's a, all a digital kind of transformation project and, and one of the big things for us has been signed for Celtic so we've invested heavily in a, a new CRM system so that we can give fans the news they want and make more personalised experiences for people run competitions etc so our sign for Celtic campaign is really asking fans to, to sign up to that you know it's really important for us as a club it's really important for our sponsors as well you know we have great sponsors you know they're always giving prize giveaways you know they really look after the club um, Dapabet, Magners and, and New Balance as the, as the primary ones but all our sponsors actually are, are very very good you know the kit launches that New Balance have put on in the last couple of years people lucky enough to come along to them have been fantastic um, Dapabet are a, a great constant sort of support for the club but also for the foundation they've just announced they're sponsoring a match for cancer which is again brilliant they also gave a big donation to the Scott Brown testimonial match so um, sign for Celtic is, is really crucial um, so I would just ask people to when you see it on the website have a wee read see if, if it's something you're interested in and if it is then then to sign up because it will help the club greatly and that is www.celticfc.net so thanks very much Kerry for joining us on this latest Celtic View podcast no worries thank you for having me cheers